When I was in middle school, my youth pastors gave our entire youth ministry this book. I don't know if any of y'all have heard of it. It's called My Heart, Christ's Home. Anyone heard of this tiny little book? I, I recommend it out to, to folks. And the premise of this book is that the author goes through his heart with Jesus taking a tour of all of the different rooms. And so like the dining room, that's the place where our appetites and our desires are met. And, and he has to have conversations with Jesus about you know, what might be in that room. And then goes into the playroom and that's where you just get to hang out spend lots of time. And, and then there's the workroom. That's where you experience living out the gifts that God has given you. And there's even a closet that has a lock on it. And, and that's where you did, he, the author didn't necessarily want Jesus to go in there because that's where like some of the stuff that maybe those parts of our lives and our hearts, we want to we wanna lock away, not let Jesus necessarily in on. Well, the entire book comes from the passage that we're going to read today. Its inspiration came from John chapter 15. And I want all of you to think that if your heart was Christ's home, which room do you hang out in the most? Which room do you let Jesus hang out in the most? And what's the feeling? Like if you were to walk into your heart what would the, the overwhelming feeling be within that heart of yours? So today we're going to look at another fruit of the Spirit. Here now as we read from John chapter 15. I am the true vine, Jesus says, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit, and every branch that bears fruit he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. And as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just if I have kept, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love, I have said these things to you so that my joy might be in you, and that your joy may be complete. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Did you hear the the word that was repeated most by Jesus in this passage? It was that that word abide. And abide in the Greek literally means to make one's home in. And so that's where he gets the, my heart, Christ's home. Jesus goes on after he speaks about making our hearts his home. He says that there's something else that can make its home in us. And it came in that last line. I've said these things to you so that my joy might be in you. And that joy would make you complete. Joy in you. The in you there, that's that same word 
that's translated all those times before as abide. And so Jesus is literally saying, I have said these things to you so that that joy that I'm talking about, it makes a home in you. And when it makes a home in you, you are complete. You are filled up. You are enough. The Apostle Paul lists joy as the second of the fruit of the Spirit. That's where we're looking at. Jesus says about this particular fruit, this is the only fruit of the Spirit that Jesus talks about in this way. He says it is this fruit that completes us. It makes us whole. It brings us contentment. It gives us a sense of fullness. Do y'all, y'all know what I mean? Like whenever you see new life, you feel that fullness. It could be, it, whether depending on the year, it could be March, it could be April, you see those first blue bonnets and you know new life. It could be that you've had a surgery and you have finally have a night where you slept through the night without pain, new life. But I think all of us can sense new life in the joy of a baby. And this, y'all, is your introduction to Stephen Finkel's youngest child, Noel. And you'll get to meet her in person today. But this child literally cannot help but bring joy to the people that watch her and hold her. I think God created her to do this for her family and for everybody who gets to know her. You've experienced new life and and fullness in other ways, like when you realize what you were made for, what you were created to do. This past week at Bible school, I was talking with one of our deacons, Patrick Brady. He's actually the head of our deacons right now. And he pulled me aside and he said, have I told you how much I love being a deacon? And I was like, yeah, you have, you have. (laughs) And he's like, no, Emily, it has changed my life. It has changed my life. I never knew what it would be like to just know people this way and to serve and care for them in this way. I mean, you could just see he was alive. He was full He was complete. He had the joy of the Lord. And joy, doesn't it feel so amazing? Don't you wish you could like like put it in a box and then and then like whenever you were feeling down, you could just like open it up and be like, there it is, that's that's it. So can we? Is joy something that we can like manufacture and get more of? Because I would want more of it. But y'all, like all of the fruit of the Spirit we're going to study this summer, it's not something we can conjure up. It's not something you can work harder or smarter to do in your life. It's not even something that you could, you know, make sure you're around the right people because then it would be up to us. And like all the gifts of the Holy Spirit, it comes from God. Jesus gives us insight, though, today on how we might make room for more of it. You see, all the fruit of the Spirit are present at all times because we believe the Holy Spirit is present everywhere throughout this earth. And so sometimes we just have to perceive it. So what can we do to make space for joy? And listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So there's something about love that has to do with joy. And Jesus says, abide, make it at home. Make my love home 
in your heart. But he doesn't mean love between humans. Now, love between humans, it can feel really good when you are loved well by a child or a spouse or a friend or a colleague. It, it can feel really, really good, but that's not what Jesus is talking about here. This agape, unconditional love that Jesus talks about, the love that he says we should make our home in, that should abide within us, that's the love of Jesus for us. It's love poured out from God in heaven to Jesus. It's love that humbles itself even to the point of death for each of us. It's love that served us. It's love that sacrificed for us. It's love that says, you know what? There are no rules or boundaries on the way and the amount that I can love you. And Jesus says, if you abide in this, if you let that type of love make home in your heart, if you accept that love, you make room for joy. The late Dr. Reverend Steve Hayner, he died in 2015. He was the president of Columbia Theological Seminary, which is in Atlanta. And so when I was in Atlanta, I got to know him. He was very good friends with my former boss, Lane. And he was this guy I had put majorly on a pedestal. He had been the president of InterVarsity Fellowship for like a decade. I mean, he just had this amazing biography. And in April of 2014, on Easter weekend, he received a diagnosis of terminal pancreatic cancer. And so he began to, it, it went very, very quickly, and he decided he was going to update a Caring Bridge page a couple of times a week. Well, after he died, his wife got it published into this book, and there's comments from her posthumously on his journal entries, and it's called Joy in the Journey. And six months in to his treatment, he writes this, over the last six months, my life has completely changed. I currently feel pretty good, able to carry on with a good schedule that includes time with people and with projects, but I don't know how long this will last, and I seldom from day to day know how much I can plan to do. The only thing that I have related to this world, the only certainty that I have related to this world is that someday, sooner than I had planned, I will go home to be with Jesus. Facing death has a way of clarifying life. So let me tell y'all a few things I've learned in the last months. Number one, when Jesus is all you have, you soon discover that Jesus is really all you need. Number two, as long as I have life on this earth, I have a call. Number three, God will never give up in his work to transform me into the likeness of Jesus. And then for our purposes today, this was his number four. Joy is not about my circumstances, but rather about being held and sustained by God's love. Nothing can ever separate us from the love of God, not suffering, not want, not abundance, not sin, not anything. God loves us from beginning to end and through every circumstance. If there is one thing I can trust, it is God's love for me in Christ Jesus. If I'm being honest, this is a, a lesson I am still learning. For so long of my life, I had held joy as, as an amazing gift. But for some reason, 
It only existed in the absence of pain for me. Y'all remember the song, like, Joy and Pain? I had believed that they were, like, diametrically opposed. So if there was suffering, there, there wouldn't be joy. I consider myself a joyful person most of the time. It's easy to perceive and name joy when we have it, right? When we're holding it, like right here, and you can put a story with it. You could put color to it. People go, yes, that. It's like seeing baby Noel. But when pain and heartache and disappointment and grief would enter, it it was like joy left the building. It had been stories like Steve's and others and yours that have taught me that joy, because it is inseparable from God's love, then joy has to be held in the same hand with pain. We all believe. I, I mean, I bet to the person in here, we believe in the unconditional love of God. And we believe that there's absolutely nothing that can snuff it out. Well, then why would pain not be present also? Why would joy not be present in the midst of that if love is? Because joy from the gift, from the Holy Spirit, it can't be cast out. We can choose to shrink up space, but joy abides within us. The Spirit is not cast out when a loved one dies. The Spirit is not cast out when you get bullied. The spirit is not cast out when a marriage fails, when tragedy happens. Joy from the spirit is rooted in the love of God, which we know never fails. And so we must realize that because God's love is exceedingly abundantly far more than we can imagine, then that means joy is as well. And we can actually have a real painful moment and joy can exist holding it right there. And when we do this, when we make space for for Christ's joy, that's when we are complete. That's when it is abundant. That is when we feel full. And I don't know about y'all, but that sounds like a pretty sweet life. May it be so in my life and in yours. Amen.